Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with attorney Tom Renz. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. The way this works is I spend an immense amount of time investigating what's happening. You know, figuring out how the law applies, what I can do in the law to to investigate. You know, one of the biggest things is is just leveraging every single piece of the law and everything that I can to dig into this. Then once I get it, I have to take in all the information, figure out how it fits in the big picture in a way that's credible, how to present it in a way that's inarguable, and then uh, bring it out. I just had, like in the last week or so, just all this stuff came in, and it's a huge breakthrough in terms of understanding the bigger picture. But it takes so much time to get through it all. You know, whenever you actually get through another door, it ends up that there's just an immense amount to figure out and find out. Patriots, tonight we're going to have attorney Tom Renz on. He's one of the greatest fighters in our time. A small attorney without any resources that has taken on the biggest fight in human history. And he continues to fight and win. And he does it all on donations and he's leading the greatest fight against COVID we've ever imagined. And he is winning one case at a time. This is literally a story of David and Goliath. So I'm very, I was very honored to have him, to interview with him again. He is, I consider him a friend, and he is a, a wonderful soul that fights with God on the soul this way through. So before we begin tonight, just note, mypillow.com forward slash bards is your home page for bards is your landing page for bards nation your promo code there is bards b-a-r-d-s you can use that promo code anywhere on the my pillow site the my store site and the frank speech site there's all sorts of amazing savings you know that when you're getting those sort of products not only are you enhancing your sleep which is much needed right now but your money is going to great cause in supporting a company that supports liberty and fights for liberty also, Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com is the home of the Bard's branded coffee. It is a coffee for your health and your immune system. It's a coffee that works together with a whole series of other products to include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut, Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract, Pure 47, which is the most refined silver extract currently on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens you'll interact with, as well as earth. It's a full body nutrient that comes in a powder, mix it with water, drink it like a shake. All of that available at Expedition Coffee, expeditioncoffee.com. So Patriots, Tom Renz, before I begin, I want to give a little pitch on Tom. He is a donation-based attorney. They are fighting against literally a Goliath of resources. Renz.law.com. R-E-N-Z dash Law, excuse, I misspoke previously. Renz-law.com. Renz-law.com. You can donate there. They also, he will also in the interview tonight mention a Substack, which is like five dollars a month. I'm going to donate and join the Substack. 
and we need to give him as much support as possible. This man is literally assembling. He started out as a sole attorney, small town attorney, and has put together a, a fight that is unbelievable. It is, there is no bigger fight literally in, the, in human history that we know of, taking on the biggest players, tackling the biggest cover-up we've ever known, and trying to save as many people as he can along the way. So without further ado, let's hear from Tom Renz. Patriots, I am so honored and excited again today to have Tom Renz on. Tom is, as you know, one of America's great patriots. He is the lead attorney for the effort of trying to save America from this death shot and the efforts he's doing to try to keep people from having any more exposure and damage to probably what is the most devastating attack on American public. Tom, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How you been, Scott? I'm really good. And I just want to thank you for coming on. Can you bring us up to date a little bit on where you are? Because the last time we talked, I think you were getting ready to go and speak to the congressional committee. And now you've since done that and many other t- testimonies and, and other actions. Yeah, it's been busy. I mean, you know, the the number of whistleblowers, the data, the information that's coming out, you know, it just it it's getting bigger and bigger every day. Um, you know, it's it's a really interesting thing. I think one of the things that's probably that I'm working on right now, and I don't know if I've talked about this too much uh, publicly, anyways, but you know, one of the things I'm looking at right now is what was Biden's. Uh, ties with the creation of this virus, right? Because we have a uh, we have Hunter Biden, who you know uh, had an investment group. I think it was at Rosemont, I think. Um, so they invested heavily in a company called Metabiota, which was tied in with EcoHealth Alliance and uh, this whole group that was developing this uh, this uh, virus over in uh, China and. You know, it's interesting. We see uh, Biden had ties to the bio labs in, in Ukraine. He had ties to the Wuhan labs. He's got ties to all this stuff. Kind of interesting that uh, to look at all this and to see, you know, now his dad is out here trying to push this death jab everywhere. And, you know, you got to ask yourself, how much money are they getting paid for this? Absolutely. And that's really interesting you brought that up because Metabiota was integral in some of those bio labs right on the Russian border, developing some of these things, including the modified spike protein and so forth. So that's an interesting connection you're bringing in there. Yeah, it's it's also a very important connection. I mean, you know, this uh, the corruption involved with this is just monumental. I mean, when you look at this, you know, we're getting reports. I think Gateway Pundit was talking a little bit about they've got uh, evidence that uh, CDC was scrubbing some of the information regarding the Wuhan labs and the development of this virus. Uh, we've got all sorts of things happening everywhere. No matter where you look, this is corruption. And it's on all sides, Democrats, Republicans. I mean, you know, I think Mitt Romney might be the most corrupt man in the Republican Party, which is a real prize to, to suggest that you could actually win that one. Um, you know, but you got a billionaire globalist. I mean, he's no different. He's got more in common with Pelosi than he does the Republican Party base. Uh, so no matter where you look, it's not just a Democrat thing. It's a universal thing. The corruption is mind blowing. 
And ultimately, the real issue is, is that we, the people, have no representation. I, I mean, unless you happen to be one of the very few people that live in, uh, you know, Senator, either Senator Johnson's constituency or, you know, Louis Gohmert's or a few other decent human beings who are willing to actually fight, you know, you, there's no representation. This has been a problem from the very beginning. And one of the things that has put you apart from everybody else, and it's the the lack of legal willingness, I guess I would say, for people to step into the arena and really and stand up for the American people. Can you can just kind of give us an insight into that? Because that's stunning to me. With all the law firms that we have in this nation, you're literally one of the few. Yeah, yeah, it's very disappointing. Now, I will tell you that we've got a lot of lawyers now that are willing to join the fight. Some of them are small firms. Some of them are lawyers who are asking to work with me directly. Some of them are this, some of them are that. They're coming out of the woodwork, and now the big issue is funding them. I mean, so we're, we're doing that. By the way, i got to plug myself. Uh, we, we're doing a substack now. Uh, you can sign up for it on rens-law.com, but I really need as many people to sign up for that substack as possible because we're using that as my newsletter. We're also going to use that. Uh, there's a paid side, and any money we raise is going towards the fight because I got to fund these lawyers. But you know, the thing about this is, the big firms are all compromised on it. Now, some of them aren't. Uh, I'm not suggesting that every firm out there is bought off in a negative way. Some of these guys just were representing various parties prior to this. But as this was building up. The hospital systems and the, the pharma and these different groups went out and they hired every big firm that they could to represent them. And what that does legally is it creates an ethical conflict so that the, none of these firms then can come out and you know sue these guys because they're, they're representing them. They'd be conflicted out. And then when you do find a couple of the firms that weren't representing them, as soon as you go approach them, they suddenly get a great offer from a hospital system or a, a, you know a pharma, pharmaceutical for you know millions and millions of dollars to represent them, and so they they back right out. So it's a they used a combination of tactics to really uh, neuter the legal system, and so you got left with a bunch of with you know people who were just small practice individual guys who were willing to fight uh, like me and. Uh, you know, it's it's taken some effort because, you know, listen, I mean, Scott, I think you and I talked pretty early on on this. I mean, I, I answered my own phones. It's not like I have a big, you know, multi-billion dollar law firm. It's grown now and we're getting more. But, you know, I, I'm in no way, shape or form a Jones Day type law firm where I can, you know, throw 100 attorneys on this. And if I were, this would have got shut down real quick. But, you know, that was the part of the plan. It definitely was, and it's a really sick statement towards the state of affairs in the legal side of our system. Yeah. That's a real challenge. Tom, as you're going forward here now, what is allowing your growth? Is it the donation piece? Is it just the motivation? You're kind of implying that. Is it also the greater willingness of people to step up with you to to build out that base? What has helped you the most? God. Um, so, you know, I made a commitment to God and to myself. And I mean, you know me, I don't care what you believe. For me, I'm a Christian. And I have no apologies for that. Um, I made a commitment early on to God and to myself that I would do this and I'd try and do it the right way. And I'd keep going as long as I could and as hard as I could. And I have. And it doesn't matter. I mean, there's been times where I've really struggled to keep the lights on. 
I mean, really struggled. Uh, there's been times where, you know, I didn't know how we could get all the work done that we had to for different court deadlines, but we've continued fighting. And what's happened is I believe that, that the willingness to fight is something that is contagious, right? When people see that you're willing to stand for something, and I want people to hear this, right? Because this doesn't make me special. Anyone can do this. You don't have to be a lawyer to do this. You can be you can be a dog catcher. You can be a ditch digger. It doesn't matter what you are. Anyone can do this. When you're willing to commit to a cause, when you're willing to stand, when you're willing to plant your flag in the sand and then stand behind it, come whatever may, people will see that. People will support it. See, the thing about, about what I've done is it's been honest, right? Like I haven't done anything magical. I've just been honest and continued fighting and people have seen that. And so, and I'm not perfect. I'm not saying I haven't made mistakes, but I've done my best. And where I make mistakes, they say, I'm sorry, and I move on. But people are willing to support that. And because I've been willing to do that and I'm still standing, others have joined in. So now we are getting more attorneys. We are getting more support. And, you know, God has given us what we need as we need. You know, when I, on those months where it was hard to work, you know, are we going to keep the lights on or not? Well, we found a way. And, uh, you know, I committed to doing this as long as I could or until I win. And, yeah, that's that. I think that's really been, that's the, that's the difference. That's the, the only thing special about me is my willingness to commit and to continue fighting. You're speaking my language, and I, and that's admirable, and it's one of the reasons I know that you've continued to be successful, and truly, it's a blessing. Tom, let's talk a little bit about the DOD data that you presented at the congressional hearing, which has since they've tried to backtrack on and try to suggest that, of course, of course, that your data was skewed, um, you were lying, and it was an exaggeration. Is there any more movement on that in terms of the forced mandate on our soldiers? The forced mandate on our soldiers is one of the most horrific things I've ever seen. Um, the courts are struggling with it right now. Uh, there was, you know, one of the things that just happened was this Supreme Court ruling uh, that uh, about the deployment for the SEALs. And I want to, I'd like to put that in context because that's an important thing for people to understand. And a lot of people jumped and said, oh, my God, I can't believe they did this. But listen to me for a second when I say this. The law is generally a lot more complicated than the headlines, okay? That ruling was not as bad as people think it was, and it was not as bad for our cause as people think it was. See, the problem was is there was a very narrow question asked you know, can you can you limit deployment based on someone's, you know, religious convictions, exemptions from religious exemptions, uh, convictions, etc. Right. So let's let's take this where it goes. Let's put COVID aside. Let's say that you've got a religious conviction against shooting people. You're, you're like a Quaker. Right. Um, you, so you say, you know, I, listen, I'm in the military. I want to, you know, I want to be in the military. I want to be a support guy. I want to be a, you know, doctor who stays in, you know, and does this, does that. Okay, fine. The military would say, obviously, we're not going to deploy you to a war zone. I mean, it just makes sense, right? I mean, you're not going to, and I understand that if you, 
you know, it, this is an extreme example, and I'm using an extreme example to make it simple for people. But let's, you know, if you can't shoot someone, you're not going to get deployed to a war zone. Well, this ruling said that, you know, decisions about deployment are really about deployment. And, yeah, the military has to be able to make those decisions. So they couldn't, the Supreme Court couldn't really rule a different way on that, right? I mean, this wasn't because of the COVID vaccine. This was just because, you know, otherwise you'd have chaos in the military and deployment issues are things that really, they're strategic. They're, 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 that's the purpose of the military is to fight and win wars. So, you know, while I didn't love the ruling, I also understood the ruling and it wasn't quite what people played out in the press. I don't think they did a bad job on the case. The problem was, though, is that this case, much like every other case out there, or a vast majority of them, didn't ask the questions that need to be asked in terms of uh, the vaccines. Okay, so these religious freedom cases are critical, and we're working our way through them. The underlying question, though, the question that we're asking in a lot of my cases is, well, okay, so religion aside, this aside, that aside, the bottom line is, is that the government's committing fraud. The vaccines are not vaccines. They're, they're genetic modifying jabs. They aren't safe. They aren't effective. And they can't be forced on people. And so you got to understand that the court can only answer the question that's asked of it. In this case, they were asked, well, if you've got some sort of a religious belief that prevents you from doing this or prevents you from doing that, can the military make decisions based on that conviction? about deployment? And the answer is yes, they can. So that's that. The The much more difficult question that all the courts are trying to avoid is, okay, uh, but what about the fact that these jabs are fraudulent, based on fraudulent data, that the government's committing fraud and that everybody's lying? That's the tough question, right? And so that's where that is. And when we look at the DMED and everything else, it's clear as day. This is not uh, in any way, shape, or form a safe or effective jab. Now, along with the DMED, we just put out there uh, that we found that they had changed something called the MSMR reports. That's the Medical Surveillance Monthly Reports. Uh, those are peer-reviewed, and they change those by a huge, huge, typically they change them by about 0.1%. Uh, they change them like 63 and a half times more than what they normally change them uh, because they they needed to cover for the, the death and carnage that this stuff's causing. Um, everywhere we look, there's more evidence of fraud and cover-up. And the problem is, is that we've got all that evidence. So, they're, you know, they're going to eventually have to answer to that. And we're going to make sure that they do. But... Uh, Everything shows the same thing. This isn't safe. It's not effective. It's deadly. You know, whether we look at, you know, the 300% increases in cancer, uh, the 1,000-plus the percent increases in diseases in the nervous system, you know, the three to 400% increases in infertility, things like that. I mean, it's, it's insanity. And the fact that they're, you know, now, even though uh, we know from Israel and the UK that boosters are, are dangerous and don't work and actually do more to damage your natural immune system than anything else, we now just approve a fourth booster. Corruption, 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 corruption. 
this whole thing goes back to, I guess I would say the launch of all this goes back to an EO signed by President Trump at the time, uh, September 19th, 2019, Executive Order 13887, which was the authorization of the rapid development of vaccines. Since then, we've had President Trump do kind of take two major positions. One is taking the claim that he was responsible for developing this advanced, these three vaccines, and has even gone so far as to say that he would not, he would persuade people to take it even though he wouldn't mandate it. But now suddenly we have a complete reversal of position, which is in his latest uh, rally, we are over, COVID's over, let's move on. There's a disingenuous part of that because there's an enormous number of people that have been harmed by this. And he's a what he is probably the singular voice that could change this because of his influence. But it would take a lot of courage. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I pray that he does change it. You know, Trump. Trump walked into a snake pit. Um, I don't think that any president in history has walked into a more hostile environment. Uh, he was lied to by everyone that could lie to him. He was surrounded by thieves and crooks and self-interested monsters. And I think if there, I think he did an incredible job with the situation he had. <clears throat> that said, uh, the Donald is human. And, you know, ultimately, the thing that you got to understand about this is this stuff is super complicated. There's no simple uh, analysis for, you know, why are these jabs dangerous? You know, there is no simple argument to be made. Yeah, I boil this stuff down quite a bit, but it's a it's a tough, complicated thing. And unless you really, really know this stuff, it's hard to argue against some of these corrupt monsters like Fauci. Now, if you know this stuff well enough, it's real clear that they're liars and they're crooks. But unless you do, and who, who you know, how many of us have that sort of knowledge in the health sciences and uh, law and all these different things? So I think Trump really got uh, swindled on this one. I think this is the one area of his presidency that was really a, uh, a big mistake at best. Now... I think that the president is starting to to see what's happened and trying to figure out what to do with it. Now we need him or someone it would, to be back in 2024. We need we need to get the Donald back in to fix some of these other things. But the question is is how does what can we do to get him to to start saving lives on this because he could. He could save a lot of lives really quickly. And as much as I support him this is a failure, and this has to be fixed. And, you know, the thing about it is, is really the people who supported him, if he just said, yeah, I screwed up, they lied to me and moved on, we'd all say, yeah, they lied to the rest of us, let's put them in jail and then move on. Uh, you know, but, but that's a tough move. And I think what I'm hearing is he's still got people around him who are, you know, who up until just very recently have been trying to push him on this. And I think he's still got people around him who are telling him, well, you know, don't do, don't say you're sorry because that'd be the end of you politically. I, you know, listen, I disagree completely. I can tell you as a, as a supporter uh, of the Donalds that, uh, 
if he came out and fix, uh, you know, did what he could to fix this, I'd be fine with that. Um, but he does need to do it because this is a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. And we're going to be living with it. There's no cover up. This is coming out, right? This is coming out. It's going to be out there. The question is how many people are going to be sick and dying before it does come out? And then, you know, how big of a mess are we going to have to clean up? And sometimes it's better. I got two little boys, right? And I teach them. Sometimes you just need to man up and say you're sorry you screwed up and accept the consequences. And sometimes that's better than lying more because the consequences get worse the more you, you, you don't acknowledge it. So I hope the Donald will come out and uh, do what he's done historically, which is to lead. You know, I mean, everybody makes mistakes. And the difference between a leader and, a you know, the garbage that we have in Washington right now is the willingness to say, yep, there's a problem. Let's fix it. You and I agree on that 100. percent And that's what I say often: is it's we're really in an age of accountability, and it's I, I don't use the term judgment or or justice, but definitely accountability, where we have to get to the core of motive on a lot of this. Now, you've stated earlier already today, and we've talked many times that there is a dark motive behind all of this. Uh, Dr. David Martin would would go so far as to say that this was a designed method to depopulate the, the world. What are your thoughts on how extreme and how dark this motive may be? So when I when I speak publicly, I always differentiate between what I can prove and what I think. So I got all sorts of evidence about motives. And uh, I just put out on the Substack a, a article that asked that question. And I put it out this way for a very specific purpose. So I've got do I have proof that they're trying to depopulate the world? No, I don't. I, I can't prove that. Um, do I suspect that there are some very, very dark and evil motives? Absolutely. So let me lay. Let me answer your question with a question because I'm a lawyer and I like to dodge things. And uh, uh, but let me let me put this in these terms, right? So you've got people putting out this jab. Going back to October of 2020, we've got an FDA document that says, here's the list of side effects we expect, and they're serious. They include paralysis, they include death, they include heart issues and circulatory issues and nervous system issues and all these things. That's before the jabs were even available. The FDA knew that these were side effects. Fast forward to the jabs becoming available a couple months later, the only side effects listed were, you know, a sore shoulder and a cold. Now fast forward to the end of February 2021. We've got a Pfizer document, lists nine pages of, of adverse events of special interest, which are indistinguishable from side effects. It also says that there's been thousands of deaths already. So we know that people are dying. Now, mind you, they pulled the swine flu vaccine after 26 deaths. Uh, when you start seeing a thousand plus deaths from a consumer product, you are racing to get that off the shelves as quickly as possible, except for with jabs, because they think they have immunity. But immunity under the law is uh, rescinded when there's willfulness. So as of the end of February, when they got the report from Pfizer that said, you know, 1,200 plus deaths, they knew what was happening and continued to push it and then push it for younger people who didn't need it 
And for other age groups, even though they knew this, that indicates willfulness, which may negate immunity, right? Now, now bear with me. I know this is a long, a long bit, but fast forward again to, to fall of 2021, when Anthony Fauci is running around saying this is a crisis of the unvaxxed, everybody in the hospitals is unvaccinated, 99% unvaxxed. You, you all remember that, right? So September 20-something, uh, the Project Salus document that I made public came to Anthony Fauci's crew. And it said 71% of new cases are in fully vaxxed, 60% of hospitalizations are in fully vaxxed. At, at the same time, same dates, I've got the dates, Fauci's running around saying it's a crisis to the unvaxxed. 99% unvaxxed. He was outright lying. Outright. Again, shows intent, shows willfulness, which negates immunity. Fast forward further. We got the DMED dump. We got all these other documents. So with all of that in mind, there's very little question in my mind that this was, I mean, they knew what was going on. I can show intent. I can show willfulness. I'll get there in the courts. It'd give me time because the courts aren't always fast, but I'll get there. So then the question becomes, if you're doing things that are probably going to negate your, your immunity, if you know how dangerous this is, if you know what this is, and you continue doing it anyways, one of two things must be true with a third option. Either you believe that the entire system is so corrupted that you're going to be able to get away with this in perpetuity, or... The goal isn't to get away with it in perpetuity. The goal is to get as many jabs in the arms as possible in as short a time as possible, regardless of whether you get caught. Now, let's look at those two options. If, the, if, you, if you've got this going on, and if you know that three to five years out, you're going to see a majority of the injuries and deaths, and if you already see the hundreds of thousands of deaths and thousands of injuries and people are already talking and the cover-up's already failing within one year, I find it unlikely that you think that the corruption is so deep that you're going to get away with that because ultimately no government can govern without the consent of the people. And the people are waking up. You can't miss that on a, broad, on a you know very broadly across the country. Democrats, Republicans, people are starting to wake up. So I find it a little bit difficult to believe that they thought that they could get away with this in perpetuity. The, that leaves us with the other issue. Uh, we just, this is a means to an end. We need to get this jab in as many arms as possible, as quickly as possible, right? Well, why would that be? What's the purpose? What's the, what's the game? What's the goal? How does that work? And how does that keep you out of trouble if people start waking up? Right. Because if people start waking up and they're going to hold you accountable, you know, are you willing to die on that hill? Why would you do that for, you know, you die on the hill to kill people? I mean, that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Now, I, th I think there's a little bit of the corruption involved in this. They did expect for I do believe that they expected to get away with this longer than they did. Uh, we worked very hard to, to do that, to prevent that. And we're working still that hard. But. 
I think you got to understand that the goal in this appears, and I, I, I make this, I don't have proof on this, but it's the only thing that makes sense. The goal is to get this in as many arms as possible, regardless of the consequences, regardless of it coming out. And so the question is, why? Why is that the purpose? And I don't have a, a provable answer. I've got a lot of evidence that points to some very, very evil and nefarious things. Um, but ultimately, you know, uh, this there is no for sure answer. That answer will become more clear as we continue investigating. It's becoming more clear to me now. Uh, I told you off air, we, you know, we just came into a whole treasure trove of new evidence and new uh, information. I can't yet go into it because I, I haven't had the time to assimilate it all. And it takes a while. You know, you can't, you can't talk about these things until you know what you're talking about. Because if you go out and say, I got proof of this, and it turns out that, you know, that you don't, well, you're going to get excoriated. Uh, and my credibility and my integrity are really the only reason people listen to me. So I, there'll be more coming real soon, but I don't have it quite ready yet. I love the way you just presented all of this because the the legal steps and the argument and the firmness of the of your data is a good reminder to everybody as to the process of the correct and only way legally. Dr. Kerry Madey does some amazing work on the fringe of this, which I know influences over time. Yeah. And her directions are looking at the components of this injection as elements of transhumanism, obviously, and true genetic modification, including some of the things like the graphene oxide and the nanotech and what that can actually do internally and the potentialities. As you're looking at this model, are those things that you're keeping your eye on as well? So, yeah, listen, I listen to everything anyone has to say, everything. Uh, my side, the other side, doesn't matter who or what. Uh, as soon as I close my mind to something, then I have intentionally uh, cut myself off from the ability to, to get to the truth. You know, in this instance, the truth is, I, I mean, it's inherently going to be something that's hard to fathom, right? I mean, we, who would have imagined that we'd be running around wearing masks? You know, no one would have imagined any of this to be true. So you've got to keep an open mind to everything. Carrie is a great lady and doing some great work. Um, she's got stuff that I can't prove yet. And so if I can't prove it, I can't do much with it. But, yeah, I'm absolutely watching it. Now, what I can tell you, though, is, you know, she came out with all of her stuff on that and started talking about it quite a while back. Well, since then, Clay Clark and some of these other guys have, uh, you know, dug up this scumbag, this uh, Naval Harari, whatever his name is, uh, Yuval Noah Harari, I believe. Yes. Okay, so, I mean, this guy is, I mean, Obama said that he admires him. He's an advisor, advisor to Schwab. He's tied in with all these people. They all say he's great. And he's out here telling you that this is about transhumanism. Okay? Now, I can't prove what he's saying any more than I can prove what Carrie's saying. But what I can say is when the other side's outright telling you this, well, that's pretty good evidence, okay? So I, can I prove 
that there's little nano antennas in there that they're trying to use to, to control you? No, I can't prove that. No. But what I can say is when you've got this lunatic monster, and I don't know how else to describe him. I mean, this guy is the root of evil. For To go out there and to lament the fact that the Nazis didn't have better technology so they could win is sick beyond words. In any sane world, this guy should be in jail, uh, or at least a psych ward. Uh, but instead, we've got people like Gates and Obama and Schwab and all these people telling us that he's, he's an amazing futurist. I mean, it's sick. He's actually celebrating the Nazis. Who the hell does that? That's insane. But, you know, that's the thing. And when I said a minute ago, you know, that the, the truth is more insane than fiction on this, it really is. I mean, when you start hearing what this guy's saying and start, you know, thinking about what it means and who whose ears he's got, that's a little scary. And the, the leaders of the globe think that this guy's got something and he's talking about how sad it is that the Nazis didn't have better tech. I mean, you know, so... Yeah, I got to listen to Carrie. I got to listen to everybody because then when I see uh, Harari out there talking about this, I mean, listen, Schwab wrote The Great Reset. He wrote the book. What, am I supposed to discount his words because they seem insane? No, no. I mean, Hitler sounded insane to me. I think the guy was totally nuts. But look what he did. You can't discount something just because it seems insane when someone's got as much power as a Klaus Schwab or this Harari or these other people. I know they're insane. I know it's absurd, and I know it's hard to fathom. But if you bury your head in the sand when evil monsters tell you what they're doing and then they do it, all you're going to do is, I mean, Scott, you know, I spent a lot of time studying World War II. You know, even up till the end, there were Jewish people willingly getting in the boxcars because they figured that it was better than fighting back. I mean, you, sometimes evil it pops its head up in this world. And you can't reason with evil. You can't ignore evil. You just have to defeat evil. Because if you ignore evil, it will continue being evil and continue doing more and more and more. You know, it's kind of like the bully. Every, a lot of this goes back to lessons we should have learned on the playground. You know, the bully will go out there and the bully feels better when he bullies you because everybody laughs and ha ha ha. So he gets he gets his accolades. Well, the bully's not going to stop bullying you until you do something. Now, once you punch, punch him in the chops, well, there everything goes, right? But you stand against evil, until you stand against the bully, till, until you stand against corruption, it will just continue to grow. And, you know, I don't care how much you want to uh, try and convince yourself that just, just get on the boxcar. You know, if I'm, if I'm real good, maybe they won't kill me. It just doesn't work that way. you got to understand we're dealing with evil. We're not just dealing with, uh, you know, people who are of different mindsets. That's really well said, Tom. I want to go to this issue of the intent that's being put out there by Harari and Schwab in a legal framework. Because you said earlier that the legal process is slow, but you'll get there. 
when they have openly stated intent and the actions or outcomes of what they do start to line up with what they've said, though you may not have the specific evidence to bridge intent or motive to outcome, how does that work legally, that process? Because there has to be some sort of relationship, circumstantially even. Is that fair? Yeah, well, you would think you would think there is, and it's it's tricky, frankly. Um, you know, in in the law, you like to have that smoking gun, right? You like to have that nice, clean. Here's A, here's B, here's C, and here's how they connect, right? Sometimes you got that, sometimes you don't. In this case, there's a lot of you don't because you know these guys are billionaires. They control trillions of dollars. Clearly, they're taking steps to make sure that they're not found out, and they're good at it. And they've got this. They they've bought off the smartest and best lawyers in the world to figure out how to cover their rear. Okay, so I've got to go into court, and I've got to let's say I want to sue Klaus Schwab, and Harari, and all these people. I've got to establish that their action somehow injured whoever my plaintiff is, right? Well, when you have dozens and dozens of institutions, organizations, companies, think tanks, this, that, and the other, between you and the person who was injured, well, that becomes a little bit tricky, right? And so, that's a very difficult thing to do in the courts. And if the courts can't establish the causal relationship between actions and injury, then they're not going to listen to you. So there's that. But some, there are rules that allow you to you know, get to discovery and demonstrate that causal relationship as you go through the process. Now, the problem is, is that you've got to get to that stage of the, of the case. And to get to that stage of the case, what you have to do is you have to have enough that the court will say, okay, this is worth investigating. Well, that's the tricky part, right? Because in this case, you got to understand that what we're saying is so ridiculous, so absurd, that the courts look at it and say, yeah, I think that's conspiracy theory, right? It is ridiculous. It is absurd that we've got a guy running around talking about hacking human beings and eliminating their free will. I mean, that's insane. The only thing more insane than that is that the guys like Schwab and Gates are supporting this guy and funding him, that the former president of the United States is supporting this guy. That's insanity, but it's also reality. So then we get, as the attorney going into court who knows this and has some of this evidence, but not everything to connect all the pieces, you've got to convince the judge that, listen, I'm not a crackpot wearing a tinfoil hat. I've got the following evidence. And, you know, I know it's a stretch, Your Honor. I know it seems crazy, but here it is. And, you know, I do need you to actually read it because it's it's crazy, but there's enough there to, you know, to establish cause. It, and that's the real trick, is getting to the threshold where you can establish enough of a chain of events to, to demonstrate standing so that the case can move forward and you can get to discovery. And I'm, you know, that's, that's why for two years I've been working around the clock 
finding more information, new information, better information. And, you know, do we have enough information to have an impact? Absolutely. And we have. I mean, you, you obviously we're fighting back and it's having an impact. But do we have enough information to get to the root monsters in this? And by the way, if you think that Schwab and Gates are the root monsters, you've got a narrow picture. There's a lot more to it than that. Uh, we know that there's a lot more to it than that. And if you think Anthony Fauci's end-all, be-all on this, let me tell you what. Anthony Fauci is an overpaid, bought-off, crooked stooge. He's not—he's—he He's mid-management at best. Um, you know, he, he gets a lot of the credit publicly, but the guys pulling the strings are far, far higher up the food chain. So we got to get to those guys. It takes time. It takes effort. But if we want to make sure this never happens again and that we actually shut this down, that's what we've got to do. And we've got to have the people with the courage to do that. And uh, we also got to make sure we don't get shot while we're doing it because, you know, I mean, that's what they do. Uh, you know, there, there's some evil guys here. The release of the Pfizer docs, I believe it had nine pages, if I'm not mistaken, of, of side effects. Yeah. They were on there. There's kind of two sides to this question. I'm curious how much that's helped your case in the process. And also, that seems to be in all of this, what you're alluding to is part of your success is also the greater awakening of the people, which I go back to that Pfizer doc because it has stunned so many people what's actually on that list. Yeah. So the Pfizer doc certainly doesn't hurt. And uh, what it did was it, it uh, further supported that Pfizer was aware of those side effects that the FDA had already put out there. So, yeah, it's it's useful. And what it does is it helps paint that more complete picture. There's more than one document acknowledging this now. And so it's a useful thing. Um, I cannot, you know, Scott, you and I shook hands. We, t we chatted. I cannot tell you how much I never wanted to give up my anonymity. I, I did not want to be on every TV show, radio station in the universe. I, I did not want to be a well-known guy. That is not something that's ever been appealing to me. The simple reality is, is that without helping to facilitate an awakening, without getting the American people behind this, there was zero chance of me being able to fight this effectively. Zero. Absolutely none. There is no way that some schlub from Fremont, Ohio, can go out and take on the biggest, most powerful people in the world by himself. I'm not, a, I'm not that big of a deal. I'm just not. I, I don't know. I don't know if, uh, well, I mean, look at, look at the Donald. The Donald tried to fight this corruption on a global scale. Look what he went through. And I mean, that he is a big shot. You know, he's a huge shot. And look at what he went through. So doing this and what the Pfizer document assisted in, much like all of these other things, is it's another tool to wake people up. It's another, it's just another tool in the belt that you use to wake people up. And the more of that that comes out, the better, right? Because that's how you get people to, to wake up and stand up. You know, when you realize, hey, uh, you can keep burying your head, but they're going to keep killing your kids. Well, that's, that's motivational, right? Uh, so my work 
has always been, and I've never hidden this, three parts, legal, political, PR. PR is all about educating and awakening the public. I need people to be awake. I need them to fight with me. I'm not a big enough deal to win it. I'm a big enough deal to win it if I got millions of people fighting with me. Because it's not me then. It's God. It's the people. It's the, it's the fight. So that's when we find these things, they will, they will act very, as very important evidentiary tools in court. Just as importantly, they will act as incredible tools to wake up the public. And so while I'm out there slamming my ugly face all over the place, so, uh, telling people what's going on, it gives me something that they can actually grab onto and see. They don't have to take my word. They can take Pfizer's word. Yeah, there's nine pages of side effects, and they've told you about none. You know, So that's the value of this. That's why the investigatory part of this, you know, as a lawyer, you're one part researcher, one part investigator, one part attorney. You know, I mean, in in an instance like this, you know, it's not just going to court and arguing a case. You got to get, you got to roll up your sleeves, get dirty, dig into this, and do what investigative journalists would have done historically, or private eyes, or anything. You got to dig, you know, and uh, the results of that digging are you create enough evidence to be able to argue it in court, and uh, to to also in our case awaken the people and create political pressure. So that's that's kind of where that fits. What's the objective of your legal cases? Is it civil? And when we say it's, I'm saying civil, first of all, in the sense of creating a monetary return for those that are damaged, um, or is it also to use the discovery to lead to criminal or both? So we will be launching some cases in the near future that, that we may make money off of. Uh, I committed when this started to do it, to first protecting life. Okay, so um, I haven't made a penny off of, I mean, you know, I've made a few bucks here and a few bucks there, but we haven't made much money off of this. This hasn't been a money fight. Um, frankly, uh, I've had a lot of people push me, say, you know, you could be making a killing off this. You could be making a killing off that. I said, and I've just outright told them, I said, you know, until we get people's lives protected, I don't care. It's just not going to be the priority. If God chooses to to give me wealth later, you know, for you know, then great. But my goal here, and I'm not wealthy. I'm, you know, I'm a regular guy driving a pickup truck. Um, love my pickup truck. Actually, if I was wealthy, I'd still drive a pickup truck. So, um, you know, uh, might buy. I might have a newer pickup truck, but yeah, I, I love my truck. Any anyway, so. Um, there are going to be some money cases coming and they've got to because money is a driving factor behind the other side. That's not the only factor. There's a lot more to it than money, but it is a driving factor. And if you can hit these guys in the pocketbook, you can, you can really make them take, take note. But the cases and the purpose of the cases vary. A lot of them, you know, if it's against the government, we're typically asking for injunctive or declaratory relief or mandamus. And what that means in a nutshell is that we're asking that the courts order the government to actually follow the law for a change uh, because they aren't. You know, there's not necessarily money in any of that. We have a couple cases where we're asking for nominal damages. And what that means is 
we don't really care about it. You know, just enough money to make sure that we the case continues on. Um, and that continues on by paying us, but continues on because uh, if there's a, a money damages question, the Supreme Court's held that they can't throw the case out of court quite as easily. So we, we include nominal damages on some of the cases just to make sure that the cases stay in court. Um, it's a strategy. It's a strategic issue. Um, I think there, we're not far off from launching some money cases, uh, but that's because I have, I've gotten to the point now where I view some of those cases as being necessary to uh, there's a theory in law and economics. Uh, there's a whole school of thought about law and economics. And basically, it's that the law can facilitate change by costing a business or a person enough money that, uh, that their bad behavior is no longer financially beneficial. And so you can use the law that way to change behavior. Um, and I'm oversimplifying. I mean, law and economics is a complicated thing. But uh, so if we can if we can hammer them in the pocketbook, that may uh, that may change their behavior. So that's kind of where that is. Can you transition from what you get in civil to criminal? How does that work? So as a private attorney, I can't do anything criminally, or I already have criminal charges against everybody in the universe. What I've offered, and what I will offer again here is if any AGs or prosecutors want to go after someone criminally, like, you know, charge Fauci with murder, uh, I got a lot of data and a lot of evidence. I'm happy to help you. I don't have, uh, a, as a private attorney, uh, I don't have the ability to charge someone criminally. Otherwise, that would have long since been done. And I'd have, I mean, I, I had a bunch of people ask me if I'd run for AG in Ohio because uh, they knew what that would mean. I mean, I'd have charges against everybody in the universe. If I didn't hate politics so badly, I would have considered it. But, um, you know, the uh, I do. I despise politics, uh, but that's another story. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if we had anyone that was a willing prosecutor or AG that was going to go after it, I could help them do that and would be happy to do so. The biggest enemy in all of this seems to be the media. I mean, it's in the sense of the people, your message, and the truth. Obviously, social media and the alternative media have proven to be a huge avenue. Has that continued to grow for you, and have you seen any waning of the mainstream media's effect? Uh, the mainstream media is marginalizing themselves on a just a massive scale. And one of the strategies that we did we implemented early on is, you know, I'm a big fan. If you've got the courage to put my message out, you know, I want to back you. Now, I I can't, I have too much happening to keep track of who's where and what. So I got other people helping me to organize my media now. But um, my general approach is, listen, if you're willing to put our message out, we want to support you. And if that helps your show to grow, or helps your audience to grow or anything. If we can help you with that, we want to, because we need to build up the alternative media. That needs to, the alternative media needs to be the mainstream media, because that's what's happening here. Is we've got a group of people who are called alternative that are the only people telling the truth. The mainstream's bought and paid for. I mean, those guys are so crooked. 
And honestly, the only reason I haven't sued them yet is I just haven't had the time to get to it. But that suit's coming as well. I'm going to sue them. I can't wait to sue them. That'll be a monumental case. I, I'm going to sue them so much. I just, I'm going to dance around in circles when I think about it. Um, but these guys are these guys are scumbags. There's no question about that. And they're bought and paid. That that's what they're there for. They're they're disinformation. They're there intentionally to mislead people, uh, to to sell whatever message they're they're bought to pay, bought and paid for to sell. And uh, it's had a huge impact. I mean, honestly, you know, the first thing I did when we started this was, you know, well, first I prayed. Second, I tried to make peace with the fact that I could no longer be anonymous. And then I started pushing on media. Um, and we've had to push that ever since. And it's been a double-edged sword for me. Like I said, I really like anonymity, but that's really, really gone and not coming back. So ultimately, that is uh, that is something that has been a wonderful thing. Guys like you who have the courage to actually speak, I mean, you guys have been incredibly helpful in in making sure that people would fight back. It is all part of the fight, and is literally, in, in a certain sense, it is one team, one fight. Anything that can always be done to support efforts like you is an honor. Tom, let's go over again before we close with the prayer how people can support you, because I know that this is such a critical piece, and I, I really want to make a major push on the channel to get people over to donate. And if you don't mind, do you have kind of a target goal of what you want to do for fundraising in the near term? So in terms of fundraising, what you got to understand is that the other side has has trillions, we have thousands, okay? So the more money I've got, the more lawyers I hire, and the more we fight. I'm not making any more money now than I was when I started, which isn't much. I don't care about that. I'm not in it for that. Uh, as long as I can feed my family and take care of what, you know my, my basics, I'm good. So the money that I earn goes to the fight. There's two ways that I can be supported that are really effective for, for general people. One, I got a give, send, go on my website. You can donate. The other is you can subscribe to my, my sub stack as a paid subscriber. Now there's a free side and I put stuff out on both, but you know, it's five bucks a month to be a, to be a Substack subscriber for five bucks a month. I mean, that's a cup of coffee at Starbucks, right? So if I can get, you know, enough people doing that, First of all, you know, it allows me to communicate with people, which I really like because I need people to know what's going on. And by the way, it's not just COVID. I'm hitting the schools. I'm hitting CRT. I'm hitting all the things that I care about. I mean, basically, um, I'm a God family country guy. And you got to understand that the bad guys who are doing COVID, they're the ones pushing the, 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 the pornography and CRT in the schools. They're the ones that are just trying to destroy energy policies and pushing this militant environmental garbage that doesn't actually do anything but destroy our environment. So the Substack is a really important thing because it allows me to communicate what I know. And I get pieces of information from all sorts of random places. Sometimes it's not related to COVID. So I put everything out there, but there is a lot of COVID there. Um, but the Substack and the... Uh, the give, send, go are the main things. If you can give us a few bucks a month, I would rather have a million people giving me a few bucks a month than, you know, one bazillionaire giving me a big fat chunk of change where they then think I'm going to sell out to do whatever they say, because I won't do that. 
I won't. You want to give me money, that's fine, but there will never be strings attached because I'm going to do what I think God wants me to do, and I'm not going to ask your permission for it. So that's that's just a reality. So I need the people to support the fight. And in terms of goals, you know, like I said, it just depends. I mean, you think of what it costs to employ an attorney, and you've got to you've got to have you got insurance to be an attorney. You've got the wages. You've got the uh, the the all the different forms of legal research and things like that that they got to have access to. It's pretty expensive, and so the more I got, the more I can do, and and it's just that simple. Well, we'll make a big push on the channel, Tom. I'm pretty sure that you'll get a good feedback from the Patriots because what you're doing is truly God's work, and we really appreciate everything you're doing. I appreciate it, Scott, and you know if we can do it. I'd love to fight all this stuff. If I had if I had a hundred lawyers, not only could we be winning on COVID more, I mean we're winning slowly but surely, but we could you know, much faster, but we could also start hitting some of these things like schools, like the border, like all the corruption in the election, all these different things, they can all be hit. And the strategies are similar to what we've done in COVID. I mean, we've been very effective for nobody from Fremont. Uh, you know, it's been a pretty effective fight. We can do that everywhere. We just don't have the support. we got to have the funding and the support to do it. So I really appreciate anything anyone can do. But as always, if you're going to give me anything, start with a prayer. Absolutely. Well, and speaking of that, let's close with a prayer, Tom, if we would. Thank you. Father, we just thank you today for bringing us, again, a fantastic conversation with, with Attorney Tom Renz and the blessings that he's bringing to this nation we just ask that you'll continue to protect him and to guide him, to provide him with all the resources that he needs, people's staffing money as, as necessary to continue this fight. Lord, we're deeply honored with the, the examples that Tom presents to the many out here, the example of leading with the fight, leaning in and having the courage to stand to evil. We just pray that this message will settle in deeply into people's hearts to realize that the courage of one can literally change a world. So again, thank you, Lord, for this blessing, the continued blessings on Tom and, and the, the, the great awakening that is happening around this. And we ask that you'll guide him, protect him. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Tom, thank you again. It's a, always an honor to speak and a real pleasure. And I, I, I appreciate all that you're doing and appreciate your friendship over this time. Well, it's good to talk to you, Scott. It's been a while, and uh, we got, we got to not, not space it out quite so far. I appreciate everything you guys are doing, you and all the patriots that support you. And uh, keep fighting, brothers and sisters. We're going to win this, but uh, no fight like this has ever been easy. No, it hasn't. It's true. Well, Tom, I hope you have a very blessed day, and uh, we'll keep you in our prayers and everything we're doing. And so thank you again, and I look forward to talking again soon. And we won't keep it quite so far apart. Thank you, sir. All right. Have a blessed day. God bless now. Bye-bye. Patriots, that was attorney Tom Renz. He is a true fighter in that sense. He's put that mantle of trust with God that he will get through this, and he has succeeded this far, and he will continue to succeed. I'm just going to say this here. I'm donating $1,000 to Tom Renz tonight, and I'm also joining the Substack, which is $5 a month. I encourage you to give as much as you, whatever you can afford. I'm not, this is your tight times, and I understand that. But if you can give a dollar, if you can give $5, 
If you can join that Substack, it's really important to him. Substack is five dollars a month, and those and you can find the Substack at Tom Renz T O M R E N Z dot Substack dot com, and then his website is Renz dot Law dot com, and what if you can join that? That is a really important piece to get the information to keep up to date on the lawsuits and to share that. And then that's help that helps revenue. I'm with, I'm with Tom a hundred percent that the small donations are what makes the difference. And as many people as we can to get $5 to him a month or whatever you can do, but that's ideal because what you're doing is you're creating resiliency in a model. He's also avoiding that need for a single donor. If you have never dealt with single donors, and you and if you think that's a good way of going, you've never dealt with being owned or people trying to own your your cause. So these his model is outstanding, and it's literally what has to happen to make this victory because this is truly a God people's victory fight right here, and Tom is leading it. I can't speak enough about the integrity of this man. So true, try to support him as much as possible. That Substack is a great way of doing that. Again, uh, Renz, R-E-N-Z-Law.com. I'll put these links under tonight's show. And also uh, Substack, which is Tom Renz, T-O-M-R-E-N-Z dot Substack dot com. So get both of those in there and spread the word, see what we can do to get some good funding over to them. This is the probably the most important fight we've ever faced, and unbelievably one of the only attorneys out here that's literally taken up the reins to and the charge on this. So I want to thank you all tonight. This is a great interview. We'll be back at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern for Fishers of Men. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. These are times right now that we need some very focused prayers. Prayers for Tom, prayers for Tom's team to keep this fight going. This provides strength, and Tom is a true believer in prayers. So let's keep that there. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will win. We have a very instrumental part of this time and fight where we are for this time and such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal, but that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. 
Therefore, they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 